We've been talking about discipleship now for a bit, as you know. If you're new here, you'll hear something that we've been saying is that a million people can be reached for Jesus if we will make a commitment to discipling one person a year and then teaching that person to do the same. Over a 10-year period, over a million people in the GTA would come to know Jesus if we did that. And this thing of discipleship, though, like how do we define it? It's really important, right? Because, you know, a disciple wasn't just Jesus' idea. You know, this term disciple, it had been there before. Greek philosophers would have used it. They would have called their students disciples. Uh, Rabbis in Jewish culture had disciples. Even John the Baptist had disciples. So what's a disciple? Well, disciple would be an apprentice, But not an apprentice the way that we may think about it. You might have an apprenticeship if you're learning to be a carpenter or learning a skilled trade that you might take a apprenticeship. I just had a friend of mine just has gone through a three-year apprenticeship to be a crane operator. And so in that case, you're learning a particular skill. You're learning skill of how to operate a crane or how to build a building or something along these lines. Apprenticeship or discipleship, the way it would have been understood in biblical times, was you were learning to master a way of life. You weren't just gaining knowledge from that person that you were, that you were a disciple of. You were learning an entire way of living. Their definition of reality was becoming your definition of reality. Now, and this is so important. Because Christianity is not just information. It's an entire way of life. And us following Jesus, us saying that when Jesus gave a command to us to you know, go and make disciples of all nations, it is not just saying, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. Do you want to give your life to him? It's, look, I live a way that is different than the rest of the world. And I do that because I follow Jesus. You know, and I want to teach you his reality and how to live that way. And it's why right now there's a whole thing in the churches, you know, really worldwide where they're going, hey, we've done a really bad job of discipleship. Because I'm not sure that we've done a great way of teaching a way of life. I'm not sure that that's often been modeled out. That often we've taken our definition from the world or we kind of like, okay, we're going to give you a bunch of information. Go, you know, go apply it. But it's really saying, come and follow me as I follow Jesus. Now, the, the example of that is if you just follow James, you're going to get all the imperfections of that. So I don't want anyone to be my disciple. Okay? You know, I can set an example of, of as the best I can in following Jesus. But I'm not, when we talk about discipling people, we're not making disciples of ourselves. We are saying, hey... I am a follower of Jesus. He is, in this term, my master. Not, in a, not a master in terms of a slave-master um, relationship, but master in terms of uh, he has mastered a way of life, and I am learning to master that same way of life. The way you talk about a master craftsman. This person is an expert at it. We're saying, hey, we believe that Jesus is the definition of reality. He truly is who he says he is. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That he really is the son of God. And that there is no other way 
other than the way of Jesus. His truth is my truth. His reality is my reality. It's not defined by the world. Now, and, and for us as the church, this is extremely important. It's important for us to say, hey, we're going to live that out. We're going to live that out. Our reality is going to be defined by Jesus. That's, that's what my definition of reality is not defined by the world around me or by the powers of this world. It's defined by Jesus. Here's the thing. We're all disciples of someone. You know, if we're not a disciple of Jesus, we are being discipled by someone. Someone else is defining our reality for us. Now, an example I was listening to, you know, it can be social media. It can be a celebrity that you look up to. It could be a business guru that you follow. It's like, hey, oh, that way of life, I want that, right? Every time you're on social media and you see someone going, hey, listen, if you just follow my system and you follow these different steps and you, you know, buy my program, you're going to learn to get the same great results that I've got. And, uh, yeah, that's when become a disciple, it's an invitation. Come and be my student. Come and, and often those things are really about us defining a particular way of life, right? Because typically when we see those things, it's like, hey, look at how cool my life is. Don't you want this life? Don't you, don't you want the life that I have? Well, I can show you how. I can give you this secret information that's going to, if you will buy my program, show you, you know, how you can get the same results I say I get. That's discipleship, saying, I want the results that you get. You see, unfortunately, Christianity sometimes has been just this thing of, oh, I've given my life to Jesus, woohoo, but no life change happens. And there's nothing biblical about that. You do not find an example of people in the Bible that gave their life to Jesus, that were followers of Jesus, and their life was not transformed. So if your life is actually not being transformed, you have to ask, am I actually following Jesus or am I actually following the world? It's so important. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Jesus said, he said, look, come and follow me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and you will learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the reality that Jesus defines for us, is says, look, if we follow his way, if we follow his commands, if we will do things God's way, it is not going to be a heavy burden or heavy yoke on our life. Actually, we're going to find rest for our souls if we will do life God's way. We're going to find peace and peace abundant. He actually tells us that we're going to find abundant life by following him. Again, not necessarily defined as abundant life would be defined by the world, but abundant life by the one who created this world. That's what we get when we follow him. It, following Jesus should fulfill the deep desires of our heart to live whole lives, to live integrated lives, to live with integrity to be made whole, to be made new. That's what doing it. But the only way you get those results is you actually live the way Jesus lived. We actually live. He says, look, obey my commands. But if we don't obey his commands, then we're not going to actually get the results that it says. So, so often I'll talk to people like, well, you know, I've given, I, I followed, I believe in Jesus, but why, you know, why is my life the way it is? 
You know, the reality is when we explore a little bit more, they're actually following the ways of the world, not the ways of God and expecting God's results. And you can't have it both ways. You know, you can't, we can't follow the ways of the world and expect God's results. There's a deep inner transformation that comes from following Jesus. You know, Galatians 6 talks about it. It talks about that the, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives is, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So there's an inner transformation that's meant to come by our following of Jesus, by doing things Jesus' way. And we spent a lot of time actually last year on, on emotionally healthy discipleship of what this is about following Jesus' way. But it's two things that come from us following Jesus. There's this inner transformation that brings about that, but there's also the gifts of the Spirit that come about. You see, the gospel is a gospel of both, of transformation internally and a gospel of power. You know, a gospel of power. When we become like Jesus, we also become capable of doing the things that Jesus did. I say that. When we become like Jesus, when we give our life over to him and we allow ourselves to be trained by him, then we become capable of doing the things that Jesus did. He said that would be the case. Scripture says that would be the case. And the testimony of people that actually do this, that is the case. The church is not meant to be powerless. You know, the church is not meant to just be an intellectual exercise. It's not just to be a cultural exercise of, well, this is where I show up on Sunday. It is adapting, it is, it is adopting a completely different way of living that should be a light to all those around you because, because you live differently, everyone will see you differently. grace, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, it's this incredible, empowering thing. You know, the wrong understanding of this, a gospel of forgiveness is like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. You've forgiven me for my sins. And we stop there and there's no transformation. We just live like the world. But the actual gospel is, yes, I have been saved, I've been forgiven of everything that I've done, and because now I am a disciple of Jesus, that same grace is empowering me. It's, it's, I'm partnering with the power of God to bring about change in my life. I'm partnering with God to confront things in my life that don't line up with his word, to make changes and adjustments in my life to bring about the very fruits of the Spirit that are meant to be there. It is, it's a process of training of ourselves. It's a process of training. If you want to be an elite athlete, if you want to master something, whether it's, you know, sports, whether it's in business, whether whatever skill it might be, whether it's a doctor, a profession, right, a musician, that doesn't happen overnight. You don't go, I declare myself a piano player and start playing Mozart, right? You don't go, I declare myself a doctor and go in and do surgery. You know, don't decide. Simply making a decision to be a musician, simply making a decision to be a doctor, even enrolling in school, it doesn't qualify you if you don't actually go through the process. And that's the thing with being a Christian. It's not like it's 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 a process that we go through. And, and it's not just a process of coming and listening to me. 
or whatever other speaker. Did my thing die? We good? Okay, perfect. It's not just listening to different speakers on the internet. It's not just reading your Bible. All those things are helpful. But it's if we don't take that, internalize it, and attempt to live it out, it is of no use at all. It's of no use. We've got to be trained, trained into righteousness. And that training is the actual practical application of what it is that we read, of what it is that we hear. And that's the thing. See, if we will do this, then we're going to be able to teach others to do it. And we don't have to wait till we've got it perfect, because if we were waiting for that, no one would teach anyone anything. What we've got to be willing to do is say, look, I am going through a process of training. I am learning to take scripture and actually live it out in my life. I'm learning to work with God and work with the spirit and deal with things in my own life, in my own heart, confront the realities about me that I don't like and allow the kingdom of God to come through me. And if you want to go on this journey with me, he'll transform your life too. He'll transform your life too. John 10, 7 to 13. It's written, it says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me will uh, are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. We know that Jesus lived that out. He went to the cross. He laid his life down for us. But what did he say to those that were following? He's like, look, if you are really my disciple, if you're really coming after me, you've also got to take up your cross daily and follow me. Right? Following Jesus is death to self. We may not physically die by following Jesus. In some places in the world, you could. Here, you're not going to physically die. But it is death to self. It's death to the reality that the world, the education system, the media, all that has painted for you. And going, hold on, my reality needs to now be redefined by God. My reality needs to be redefined by him. And his reality is the only one that counts. His reality is the only one that counts. It's that death that says, I am the most important thing. Now, death that goes, it's actually not about me. That to actually truly have life and life abundant actually means living for the sake of others. Doesn't mean that I don't love myself, but the greatest commandment Jesus said was like, love God with all your heart, mind, and spirit, and love your neighbor as yourself. Means you gotta love God, you gotta love you, and you gotta love them. And then when asked who his neighbor was, he, you know, our neighbor was, well, he defined it as someone that those people would have despised. Our enemy is our neighbor. 
that world around us, they're all our neighbors. You know, should we do good to the community believers? Absolutely, especially to the community believers, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Our reality is one of an upside down kingdom that's the opposite of the world. You know, we are delivered from darkness. 1 John 5, verses 1 to 5. It's written, every person that believes that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah, is God-born. If we love the one who conceives the child, we'll surely love the child who was conceived. The reality test on whether or not we love God's children is this. Do we love God? Do we keep his commands? The proof that we love God comes when we keep his commandments and they are not at all troublesome. Every God-born person conquers the world's ways. Let's say that again. Every God-born person conquers the world's ways. Every God-born person conquers the world's ways. That truth is so important. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. It's our faith. Our faith in who Jesus is. Our faith in the power of God. Our willingness to stand and go, God truly is who he says he is. And I don't need to make my own way in the world. I need to follow him. I need to follow him. The person who wins out over the world's ways is simply the one who believes Jesus is the Son of God. Again, we can just read that and we can say, okay, so as long as I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. No, you're believing everything that comes with that. You're believing that Jesus conquered sin and death. You're believing there's been a reset in the world by the very thing that Jesus did. You're believing that how he defined the world is the only way to define the world. Because if you believe he was God and you're going, yes, I'm going to follow him and obey his ways, then there's only one way. His way. That's it. His way. So what he says about money is important, not what the business guru says about money. What he says love is, is, is what defines love, not the latest cycle, you know, pop psychology trend. You know, what, how he says we are to treat one another is how we are to treat one another. Those define our reality. Those define our reality. Colossians 1, verse 13 to 14. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Don't know if I've said this before here, but it's, you know, it's the, the thing, if you understand what darkness is, right? It's an absence of something. You can't turn on the dark, right? It's impossible. You can't turn dark on. All you can do is remove light. Darkness is the absence of light. And scripture constantly makes this comparison of the world being dark and God bringing light. So what, you know, what is that? When the world is without God, when we are walking without his ways, we've removed something from the world that is supposed to be there. And thus the world is in darkness. It can't see. It doesn't know where it's going. Something has been taken from it. 
So when we talk about Jesus being the light of the world, we're saying, you know, and talking about God being the light of the world, it's that that thing is added in. John 1, verse 3 to 5 from the message version. version. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing came into being without him. What came into existence was life, and the life was light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness, and darkness could not overcome it. Darkness can never overcome light. It's impossible. Right? By the very physical nature of how God has created this world, darkness cannot overcome light. It is not a force on its own. You know, only light. Light will always overcome darkness. That should be incredibly empowering to us. Because what it means is that when we actually live God's ways, you know, these references in scripture, when we actually do things God's way, evil cannot overcome it. The absence of God cannot overcome when God comes in. So there is not an equal battle between good and bad. Right? There's not an equal battle. It's an unequal battle. God's ways will always win over the enemy's ways. You know? It'll always win. But what we've got is a, but you go, well, hold on. Well, then why is the world such a mess? Because most people are not living God's way. So the world is full of darkness. And so that, if 97% of the population is living without God and only 3% is living with God, what is prominent? The dark. Evil. All those things. The stuff that brings around pain, suffering, poverty, that brings lack, that brings all the destruction and evil and wars and sickness, disease. All of that is prominent. But God says that if his people will arise, if we will actually do things God's way, if we actually will put God first, his promises, his promises that his ways will overcome. His ways will overcome. And it's why this is so important. Because for too often, we've looked to the world's ways. We look to politics. We're like, hey, if we pass laws, then we'll get people to behave in a way that we want them to behave. No, you won't. You know, well, if I just, if I just do this, you know, whatever it may be, there's only one way that that darkness gets overcome, and it's by Jesus. That's it. The only way that it comes, and the only way that Jesus gets to overcome that is through your life. And this thing of talking about a million people, I mean, listen, I want to see way more than a million people come to know Jesus. Not so we can claim we have a big church. If anyone new here, this is not about life house having a million people. That would be the worst possible thing that could possibly ever happen. Right? The most important, what it is, is like the early church in Acts, where a church scatters and all these people go out. Man, imagine if every one of you here ends up planting a church. Not, you know, ends up having such a large group of people that you're discipling. You know, and teaching them to disciple others and to disciple others. The biblical qualification for leading is not that you've gone and got a master's degree in theology. The biblical qualification is that you learn to have your life mastered by Jesus. And you learn his ways. When people saw the disciples, it wasn't look at the degrees they have. They said, actually, these are uneducated, ordinary men. But we note they've been with Jesus. 
It is about you being with Jesus. It's about us being with Jesus, us Him defining our reality. Every time we decide to go with the world's ways, all we're doing, we're removing light from our life. Every decision I make, you know, I'm training myself either for righteousness in God or unrighteousness, no middle option, no neutral ground. Every decision I make, I'm an either sow, we, we says we sow what we reap, right? So are we sowing to righteousness and we sowing to God's ways or are we sowing to unrighteousness? This comes with every single choice we make. Every single choice we make. We're sowing one way or the other. We're either removing the light or we're allowing it to grow in our lives. We're either sowing to the flesh or we're sowing to the spirit. I I love this guy, Chris Cruz. I was listening to you talk on some of this. And he was talking about this thing of living by the word or living by faith. And the example he gave is this. Uh, It's such a great example. It's like money. You can read scripture and, and, you know, and go, okay, I'm supposed to be generous. And you can go, okay, well, God, when you tell me to be generous, I'll be generous. You know, and that's, that's great. That's, that's living, okay, I'm, I'm living by the word. It's like, but if we allow ourselves to grow beyond that and live by faith, as Jesus asks us to live by faith, we start going, my God is a generous God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't need to wait for him to tell me to be generous because I'm learning his ways. And so I can be generous on every occasion because I don't fear lack. I can, I don't need to wait for him to tell me to be generous. I have just mastered being generous. You know, when you're training your children, Lee's really, was really great with this with our boys, training them to, when they see someone to greet them and say hello. You know, hey, my name is Seth. What's what's your name? Now, my name's Joel. What's your name? To have a conversation. And at the beginning of that training process, she's got to tell them to do it. Right? Hey, Seth, Joel, you know, when they're both each little, you know, going, hey, come and meet this person. But eventually, that becomes their that becomes a part of who they are. They don't need to be trained to do it. So now that they will just go up and do it. But they initially had to be told, but if they still, if Joel at 17, Lee had to still keep going to him, hey, Joel, you need to go and say hi to these people. There's something wrong in that process, right? He hasn't internalized that. He's not living that value. He's just doing what he's told. For us, it's not about us doing what, we, we are to obey God's commands, but that's just the beginning of the process. We're actually meant to internalize this and live it out because we have such faith in who God is that it's without question that we would live his way. That is discipleship. That is the journey that we're on. That is what it is to be a Christian. If you're not interested in that, then you probably are wasting your time, to be fair. On the opposite of that, I hope you're all interested And if you've never given your life to Jesus, let me tell you, he's got abundant life for you. The one who created this world, that created the universe, has invited you into a relationship with him. The world lives in lack. This world, we know how evil it is. It's a system that's built on greed. It's a system built to enslave you. It's a system that says, hey, this person is good and this person is not. And at the end of the day, it's a whole lot of people working for people at the top. 
right? It's a whole lot of people. It's the world is an unbalanced, greedy, nasty place. If you've lived in it for any length of time, you know what I'm saying is true. But that's because it's in darkness. But the one who created this world, who has a very different purpose for it, is inviting you into relationship with him and saying, actually, I've got a whole bigger plan and I can give you way more than what the world is offering. It may not look the same, but it'll bring fulfillment, it'll bring joy, it'll bring peace, it'll bring everything you need into your life. And he says, I've got all that for you. And how do you get it? Well, I've already done everything needed. I laid my life down so that you could have this. If you will come and follow my ways, if you will put your trust in me, then it's all available to you. It's all available to you. And so if you're here today, you know, and that sounds appealing, you're like, hey, I would be willing to give up you know, what the world says and follow what Jesus says. And all he says is like, look, then just make a decision to come and follow me. Make a decision to come and follow me. I'm going to divide this into two preaches. Lord, I pray for us right now. Would you help us that we would say yes to you? That we would make the decision to be the light you've called us to be. You said to be a light that would shine in the darkness. That, Lord, we would allow ourselves to be trained by righteousness to follow you. That we would make, be willing to follow your ways. That we would not be afraid. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I bless everyone here. That they would experience the abundant life you have for them. That they'd be willing to receive it. They'd be willing to follow it. That they would be willing to lay down everything for that pearl of great price. The kingdom of God. Because I'm finishing a little bit early, let's take a minute and pray for one another. Let's, you know, when we take the time to ask the person beside us, how can I pray for you? We're entering into their world. The amazing thing is you do not need an answer for any aspect of their lives. Just point them to Jesus. By you praying for them, by you, by you praying over them in faith, in trust that what, what God would want for them would come about. It's such an incredible thing. So let's take a moment. If you're new here and you're not comfortable praying, just let someone pray for you. No, there's no pressure for you to do anything. But let's let's take a couple of minutes and we can conclude with that. Moet, do you want to wrap us up in any way now? I'll hand it over to you.